Last week, we learned about this amazing moment when the disciples saw only Jesus and the centrality of who he is. Today, we're going to finish that story. And the amazing thing about our text, even though there's some difficult things that are in it, is it shows us not just the centrality of who Jesus is, but what he did, what he did in coming to this world, the centrality of his work. Let's read in Mark chapter 9, and we're going to take a look uh, at verse 9 to 13. This is the word of God. And they were coming down the mountain, and he, Jesus, charged them not to tell anyone what they have seen until the Son of Man had been risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. And they asked him, Why do the scribes say Elijah must come first? And he said to them, Elijah does come first to restore all things. And how is it written that the Son of Man should suffer many things, be treated with contempt? But I tell you, Elijah has come, and they did whatever they pleased, as it is written to him. And so we see here that Jesus is clarifying his message. You see, Jesus doesn't want to be misunderstood. He told the demons, he, everywhere where he went to heal people, he said, don't tell anyone that he is the Messiah yet. And the reason why is Jesus hasn't come to be a revolutionary or a politician, but he has come to be the savior of the world by coming to die and rise again. The crowds wanted a political hero that would crown him without the cross. And Jesus is saying that will not do. In verses 10 and 11, the disciples are still confused whether Jesus is going to rise and what this means. And so although God the Father said, listen to him, they go to the Lord Jesus and they say, they talk about how the scribes were asking, said, (coughs) Elijah must come first. Now, what is this all about? Well, it talks about how Elijah must come first to restore all things, but but that it was written of him that they treated him with contempt just as it was written about him. Other passages of scripture compare John the Baptist as coming in the spirit of Elijah to cause the people to repent and be restored to the Lord. And then he was martyred by Herod and his wife. So what's the connection? Because if you read the book, the Old Testament, you never see a prophecy directly that John the Baptist would be treated with contempt. However, what we do read of is Elijah. And the story of Elijah is very, very fascinating. And we read 
a very similar story about John the Baptist. So let me compare the two. In the time of Elijah, there was a man named Ahab. Now, Ahab wasn't the greatest of kings. He was an evil king. But his perspective was, if you want to worship the God of Israel, go ahead. However, if you want to worship other gods, that's cool too. However, his wife was a nasty, nasty wife. And and she hated the God of Israel and desired all the prophets to be killed, including Elijah. Fast forward hundreds of years later, John the Baptist. And the king in the region was Herod. And like Ahab, Herod liked to hear of John the Baptist, but he didn't mind worshiping other gods and living in a sinful lifestyle. However, Herod's wife, Herodias, had one goal, and that was to kill John the Baptist. And we learn, tragically, that she got his, her wish. And so you see the similarity, but there is one drastic difference. When Elijah thought, and he was despairing of life itself, that Jezebel had killed all the other prophets, God reveals to Elijah that there has been 7,000 prophets who have not bowed the knee. However, John the Baptist, when he was in jail and he was in despair, he sent messengers to the Lord Jesus saying, should we look to another? And this time there wasn't 7,000 prophets, but one, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ says, go tell them that the blind can see, the lame can walk. Those who are sick have a physician There is a Savior, and it's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was left alone as the final word of God, as he is God. The very very perfect prophet, the very Son of God. So when Peter says in chapter 8, verse 32, Jesus, you're the Messiah. You won't suffer at the hands of evil men over my dead body body are you going to do that? God the Father says to Peter, listen to my son. He has the final authority and he will die upon a cross and he will be risen from the dead and all the nations will worship him for eternity. The question we have to ask is how will we respond to this message of Jesus? Does he have final authority in your life? Is he just a top priority? Or is he central, not just who he is, but what he has done? Living the life you couldn't live and dying the death that you deserve, rising again on the third day. This message is worth surrendering everything to. God bless and have a wonderful week.